Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Star Sound Speaks. This is your host, Irliana Samsara of Star Sound Astrology. So, this is an episode dedicated to this vast archetypal crossing point. Um, obviously, the um, in the collective, we are seeing this this transition. This this about Venus, the passing of the baton, the passing of the torch to a new era. This is being represented astrologically in many different places. So um, we're gonna take a deeper dive into it. This is something that I addressed in episode uh, 193 with uh, Venus in Virgo and, and uh, talking about the archetypes as Venus moves from Virgo into Libra, the Kazemi, and then into, um, into Scorpio and how she is going through this initiation phase. And I'm gonna just do a deeper cut of this and more aspects of it, especially in light of the queen's passing this week. Um, it's certainly um, illuminating many of these um, archetypes. So here we go. Okay, first of all, interesting week, right? Um, as you know, if you've been following the channel, all right, so if you haven't, this I know there's a lot of new people here. My name's Erliana Samsara. I do Hellenistic astrology, which is traditional classical astrology uh, blended with modern using whole sign houses. And um, the um, earlier in the year when I gave my, um, you know, forecast for the year 2022, I, I, I remember saying, you know, like this is definitely more than likely the year that Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth makes her transition. You know, I'm not one to walk around predicting people's deaths or anything, but there were just so, so many indicators um, that were appointing to this transition, transition time. And so, um, you know, more so like archetypally and what she represents, not so much the, the person and the personality, but that personality as as it represents something larger like institution of monarchy and the the role of the divine feminine and um all of that so i want to talk about that well it's interesting because here's this you know we're talking about venus in this episode and so um what what did we have before queen elizabeth and and um and and her name also has to be liz liz trust the new uh, Prime Minister of Britain, right? It was like the last public appearance that Queen Elizabeth made. She greeted the new Prime Minister. Two days later, she left the planet. So um, it was interesting. They're both named Elizabeth. And I just thought, wow, that's interesting. And I looked up the, the name uh, Elizabeth, like the name meaning. And the, the, the name Elizabeth means God is my oath. And it's interesting because you know how you probably heard in the news how, you know, when she was a very young woman, she got on the radio and said, you know, way before her her dad passed away and she became the queen, she said, you know, it is my um, my commitment and my I make an oath to you. My lifelong oath is to be in service to the country. So interesting. She said, God is my oath. Well, you know, here is this new Elizabeth, right, Liz Truss. And uh, she and and here we are in this new in this 21st century where the divine feminine emerges in so many ways, with Pluto and Capricorn bringing up our pain body of the patriarchy with Me Too. You know, there's so many aspects and so many deep, rich facets to explore with this. But this, this um, the bringing forth of the divine feminine and the goddess. So I I want to say, hey, you know, maybe 
the new meaning or you know to tweak that is goddess goddess is my oath so that to kind of give a nod to the divine feminine well what's interesting is right now what we're dealing with is there's um as i was saying in the earlier podcast here's venus in virgo and she is in the same sign as the sun right now in you know it's now i'm making this on september 10th saturday september 10th 2022 venus is in virgo with the sun and she's about to and she's now coming in she's disappearing so look at the symbology of here's venus disappearing behind the sun right setting into the sun so heliacal setting and it's where she literally disappears from view so it's like an initiation process she goes behind the sun she comes out it's going to be a few months later we won't see her visible in the sky until around christmas time like in december 22nd i think she's far enough away it's got to be like 15 degrees away from the suns for, for us to see her so she'll be um emerging you know um as as evening star um at that time so um underneath the beams is kind of like this initiation process well what's interesting is and as i've mentioned also um next month in october we have on october 22nd we have a very interesting conjunction where venus is kazemi right in the throne room of this with the sun conjunct at 29 degrees of libra that's a really interesting point because it's a cardinal sign it's in venus's domicile libra and it's at 29 degrees so 29 degrees is considered a karmic degree or an anoretic degree if you want to get technical with astrology the 29th degree is the final degree of the sign right because you have, you go from zero degrees to 30 degrees zero counting as the first degree so the 30th degree of the sign is is written as 29 degrees so that represents this completion of things and it's like the energy of libra for example taken to its highest expression so what does venus and libra want it's an air it's a air sign it's um it's cardinal and it's about leadership and it's about women and equality and fairness and agreement and peace venus wants peace and harmony and diplomacy you know for the collective for for women at large for us in our individual relationships right it's all of these things so um venus in that in that sign is like this i want to say it's like a tipping point we're at this tipping point in history where we are this this new way of being of equality and uh fairness and the divine feminine all coming together as it's being birthed what's interesting too is that this kazemi um star point that happens on october 22nd is also what's called and this is a i don't know i would say a relatively new concept called the venus star point and this happens to be about how venus um it comes into certain places as it orbits it it goes through a dance with the earth of course everything being in beautiful uh, harmonious cycles of time and space with planets when venus and the sun and the earth all dance with each other it actually creates venus rules flowers the orbital path is like a beautiful flower 
So let me show you what that looks like here. I'm gonna pull up this, um, this particular uh, thing and show you. So as you can see here, um, here's an example, you know, that of the orbital path as it goes around and this is, and it creates this beautiful flower. It, it actually is a lot more um, over time and over these points and it's very detailed mathematically, but um, there's eight cy cycles, 13 cycles, eight, four and eight years. And, you know, it, it's, it's a very extremely complicated, rich, richly harmonic experience, I'll say. And if you want to, I'll put the link to the um, Cosmic Intelligence Agency because um, CIA, isn't that funny, right? Different guys, CIA. This is a cosmic intelligence agency, a wonderful bunch of people, astrological a group. They have summits and webinars, and they're actually coming up with one in a few weeks around this very thing. Ariel Gutman, Adam Gainsberg, all the, the top astrologers who are very have a real Venus passion are going to be presenting. I listened to some of it. They had a free, you know, like what you can watch it on YouTube, this kind of introduction to it, but it's really phenomenal. And if you're interested in really understanding and appreciating this, the dynamics of our planet and how we dance through the heavens and, and what this is meaning for us right now as a collective, I highly recommend it. They're really uh, fantastic people. Anyways, this gives you an idea around the, um, the orbital path, as you can see of the sun and earth and Venus as they dance through the sky, creating this flower, the flower of life. It's this Fibonacci spiral, right? So the golden pie, uh, the golden mean pie, you know, all, all those terms that remember, remember 10th grade geometry? Well, little did we know, right? They always say, oh, I'm never gonna use this stuff when I get out of school. Well, here we are, right? <laughs> I never was good in math, but I loved geometry. Go figure. Anyway, fate, destiny. So, all right, back to our chat. So we have this, um, you know, this these this divine dance going on. This this changing of the guard, as as it were. And um, this, what's really interesting is uh, when I when I was tuned into the the uh, cosmic intelligence agency webinar they said that this is this particular uh star point that's happening right now is um let me just pull this up hold on just a second okay um what it is is show let me actually let me just show you another this is the uh, completed picture of this uh beautiful um that's what it looks like when it's when all it remember spirograph if you're old enough to remember all right you got to be like over 40 i think for this one but <laughs> these little plastic discs we played with as kids and you'd put this pen or pencil in these these holes in these plastic discs and they had all these little ridges on it and you'd spiral them around and you could make these things and I, again i just anything with geometry i just love i'm a visual person Venus, very prominent in my chart, no doubt, <laughs> no surprise. But anyway, this is the orbital path. So if you were to watch the Earth dance with the Sun and Venus around and around in this pattern, if you were like looking down, say, for example, and watching it, it would trace out like this. So these points happen like every, what, eight years? There's 13 cycles of eight. Um, I could be getting these numbers wrong. It is Mercury retrograde, so please forgive me. <laughs> but anyway... Julius Simus, 
Simis and everybody at Cosmic Intelligence will explain this all in incredibly beautiful detail. So go go watch that video. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to share that um, that beautiful uh, rose. It's like a Venus rose with you. But anyway, moving back to um, to all of this. So uh, what we see here is this. Um, you know, this, these, this karma, like I said, this karmic degree. And what they were talking about is that um, the, definitely a new era. It's interesting because Queen Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth's passing is part of this, you know, this waking to this new, uh, a new place um, for, for all of us, for the collective. Um, this Venus Libra star point is getting ready to uh, shift for the first time in our lives. It's going to shift uh, from in the it's been in from it transitions from Scorpio to Libra in October. So as we are getting closer, right, we're like what six or seven weeks away from this actual transition. So it's like the winds of change, as I said in that previous podcast for September astrology. The winds of change begin, right? I kept feeling, feeling, wow. There's just looking at the astrology for the rest of the year. There's this such indications around female leadership change. I've been looking, as you know, a lot at Kamala Harris and Joe Biden's charts because I absolutely see that changing. And I kind of was like, you know, I, I knew that somewhere along the line, Queen Elizabeth would would shift and 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 do her thing. But um, but there's more to come, right? So in, in journalism, we say this is a developing story. And in, indeed it is because it has so many so many facets and so many faces. It's not just women in leadership, but it's also the things that we value, right? Venus is about our self-esteem, what is important to us, our physical uh, possessions, the money in the bank, finances, relationships, agreements, con you know, contracts and agreements, especially with Mercury retrograde in Venus's temple, Mercury rules contracts and commerce. So all of that is getting rehauled and looked at from a very higher mystical perspective. But anyway, what the um, wonderful goddesses at, at the Cosmic Intelligence Agency were talking about is that the Venus Libra star point gets closer to shifting for the first time in our lives. Um, in, in it's, it, it shifted about 1926, so it was almost 100 years ago where it was in, it entered Scorpio. Well, isn't that interesting? Because 96, right? That's the age when the, when Queen Elizabeth uh, was born. So as you can see, um, that was you know very much very much in in line with that when um, that the same star point is now transitioning from Scorpio to Libra in October. So these winds of change happening ahead of these things, which is very common. Also, we have to remember too, that the next solar eclipse is going to be at three degrees of Scorpio on October 25th. So three days after this historic Venus star point 29 Libra, three days later, we get a solar eclipse in Scorpio, three degrees of Scorpio, which is very, is very close to Prince Charles's son is, is uh, Prince Charles's moon. Sorry, is uh, zero Scorpio. So he's he's having an eclipse on his moon, and as we know, um, eclipses can often open up events even before they happen. It can be six months, or even my first astrology teacher said she'd see things happen a year before the eclipse. Well, if you remember last year when Prince Philip passed away, excuse me, 
he passed away what a couple of months it was in april late april and his um, there was an eclipse exactly on his son to the degree on um in gemini he would have been 100 years old so there was a sun an eclipse excuse me a solar eclipse on his son obviously it's a very big deal solar being the leader or a monarch or a leader of a country a major life change yes he he left the planet um and so um but it was before the eclipse even happened so that's very common so as we can see there's a lot of important major endings major beginnings which is always what eclipses portend in the case of this particular venus star point this is another great you know and again a longer term transit um, when something takes 96 years, right, that's a cycle that most of us alive did not see, you know, um, any other monarch but her, you had to be in your 90s, you know, to to know any other monarch, for example, and uh, with the Venus star point being in Scorpio, now going into Libra for the first time, um, the uh, the last time Libra, we had a zero degree Libra star point was in 1879. And I think about what all that entailed. And I think about um, the great, great mystic, Madame Blavatsky. Let me see if I can find a picture of her. I know I can. All right, hold on just a second. Okay, so here's Madame Blavatsky, Helena, Helena Petrovna Blavatsky. Uh, a Russian mystic and author. She was the, she started the theosophy movement around that time of that last Libra star point, zero degrees, critical degree of Libra. Now we're at the 29th degree, you see. So these are critical beginnings and ending points. She started the Theosophical Society and by 1879, she had moved to India and had a lot of, a number of mystical experiences. But isn't, I, I like to think of her as, as being like the really the world's first feminist or like true feminist. This is a woman who, without getting into a hugely detailed explanation, but something worthy of discussion here, she was um, married, arranged marriage to a Russian nobleman when she was very young, like 17, you know, and, and she ditched the marriage, you know, I mean, can you imagine getting married in like the 1860s or 70s and then just ditching the guy like we do today? <laughs> It's like, when, you know, you couldn't even be seen in public without an escort, right? Because they think you were a lady of the night, right? So you always had to be escorted by either your mama or your nanny or or, or your husband, you know, like the, like the choices in that time period being so, you know, but she chucked all that so, social conditioning and social consciousness and, and created her own path. And she is considered by most people agree that she was the, really the, the root of everything to that she brought to the world one world religion and the ancient esoteric religions and doctrines um, of, of all the ancient wisdom traditions and founding the, the Theosophical Society, that she was really like the progenitor of what we know as the New Age movement in this in their time period. So um, really a, a, an amazing uh, mystic and uh, clairvoyant and 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 such an author, of course. So, you know, again, it pointing to this, this here, I, I can't think of anybody better in terms of being truly, really badass, you know, like this badass feminist, you know, she really was. Um, and she, she took, you know, uh, just take no prisoners, right? Just like live your life, live it fully, break tradition, break new ground as a woman, doing things that women didn't do. And, um, and so anyway, 
you know, here is this archetype, right? And now we are at the 29th degree, right? The, the which is a completion degree and it's, um, you know, opening doors, opening portals to new and higher expressions of this divine feminine energy. So, huh, anyway, enough of that, right? At least we get the idea about what, what's, you know, what's truly going on here. All right, so now let me go on to, I got my little notes here. So this, this definitely being, um, so we see this transformation from Scorpio, which is, you know, when you think about Scorpio too, the last time that the Le the Venus star point was in Scorpio was 1926 when it entered Scorpio. Well, what were the 20s? You know, when you think about sexuality and, and things taboo and secrets and taboo and this very, the very core of life representing transformation through crisis and explosive intensely explosive volcanic experiences of psychological insight you know all things scorpio breakdown to breakthrough when you think about the 1920s and women right let's let's go back to that uh this is this is the decade where women um they didn't wear the long dresses for that like think about it thousands of years women wore gowns right whether it was a biblical era gown or long uh you know a garment to the like tunic from the biblical age and then into the um you know european western history with dresses and gowns and things and then up until like world war one with women still wore those victorian edwardian long dresses that were almost down to their ankles and then they just ditched them and and started wearing they, they showed their knees, you know, they rolled down their stockings and they showed their knees and they had bare dresses and Coco Chanel. And, you know, this, this was really radical. And so uh, making out the back seat of a, uh, what was those rumble seat, you know, and the, the model T or model a Ford, you know, so this was, this was a very, um, you know, this licentious age by, by many of those people who were looking at this, you know, with maybe a critical eye, but it was very much about um, an exploration of an Isidore Duncan, you know, like all these people that are opening doors like this and, and in terms of our expression as women. And so there was that Venus star point in Scorpio, right? Exploring these taboos, exploring what it means to be a woman, exploring all, and whether or not we're, whatever gender we are is like breaking that down and um, exploring deeply going into these unknown words secret secrecy taboos all that exploration and now we're having spent a hundred years with the venus star point scorpio now we are moving into this the tracing is into libra it's going to start it's starting to move into libra and so it's really the end of an era so we have elizabeth and elizabeth there's um you know i found it really interesting too to look at these uh, the picture of um this this interesting here's the photo of um queen elizabeth with um liz truss right this is like probably the last official picture it's interesting the angle here and, and like the story it tells like obviously there's probably everyone in the world is taller than queen elizabeth was you know she shrank and ate you know she was probably always tiny but then she you know little old lady right and here's this towering woman. Um, and so here's like this torch being moved to it. You know, here's the torch being passed, right? From one to the next. 
uh, a few generations separate, right, with their age difference. But, um, you know, yes, Liz Truss um, is a member of the Conservative Party, but I did a little bit of homework on her, and it turns out she was, um, she had been a, a very liberal in Oxford, where she went to college. And when she was 19, she actually went on record and questioned the monarchy. So like the day after she meets the queen here, the day before the queen dies, we find out in this news report that Liz was um, had talked about uh, questioning the monarchy as a 19 year old. Why do we need the monarchy, right? And then uh, I have nothing against them personally. I'm just wondering, you know, this institution, like who needs it, right? So I don't know if any, I have no idea whether any member of parliament or and, and or prime minister ever, um, I mean, prime minister, member of parliament who became a prime minister ever felt that way because to me, they were all pretty, pretty conservative, even if, as a, a Tory, like a Tory, a Tony Blair. Um, I don't know if anybody had ever said anything that, um, intense you know around the monarchy but she did now she did change parties so i don't know where she stands with all that but i just found it was really interesting that here is this person who's representing this new era and a new um and and that there are many many people out there as much as there are people grieving and feeling sad about this passing uh, but there are many especially in the third world who who are not who are really um you know, they're like, hey, you know, we we know that there's a big pain body to be um, to be um, dealt with with the the the, uh, the institutional racism and the and the genocide and everything that has been perpetuated by the British Crown for for so many centuries. Um, even the um, there's a woman here quoting the New York Times, a teacher in Sheffield, England said, you know, for some Brightons, those battered by the high cost of living and skyrocketing energy costs and others with more conflicted views on the monarchy, news of the queen's death also opened a tense divide. So um, she said the royals seem to be adored by so many. And at times like this, I find it a bit frustrating when so many are suffering and those in power don't appear to care about that. Um, she added, I don't think you can have a family paid for by the state be free of scrutiny. So, you know, there there are many sides to this 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 passing and what it means to people. Um, interestingly enough, Mercury is actually the planet Mercury in retrograde, Neptune in retrograde, there's an Antitia, which is a secretive conjunction. Uh, with Neptune. Mercury and Neptune are in Antitia over the next week. Very interesting. What is, what's in Antitia? It's actually a secretive conjunction. It's, a, it's something that we studied in, um, in, in Hellenistic astrology. It has to do with, without getting into a deep discussion here, it just has to do with the amount of light that it holds um, in terms of where the, the hours of sunlight. So the hours of sunlight of, of, of a planet at eight degrees of Libra is equal to, or it's like six degrees uh, of, of Libra, and it has to add up to 30 degrees. And so Neptune's at around at 24 Pisces. So when now that, you know, Mercury is retrograding back to six degrees. So there's this, uh, you know, an, an Antitia forming over the next week that'll really perfect around Saturday of next week. Um, but it's, it's so it's the secretive conjunction because they both uh, those 
those degrees and signs have the same amount of light. And think about the, um, well, in the Northern hemisphere, the springtime of Pisces, 24 degrees of Pisces has the same amount of sunlight as eight degrees of Libra. So the fading sun, the rising sunlight, and those, there's an equilibrium there. So they have this kind of affinity and astrological correspondence. So what does that mean? Well, um, Mercury and Libra retrograde, Neptune and Pisces retrograde. Um, you know, Mercury can be gossip and uh, slander and uh, or secrets, secrets and secret agreements when you think about it in Libra. And, and Mercury's about siblings. And I think about Prince Harry and and uh, Prince William, you know, all that that so-called rivalry and all that stuff that has been going on for many years, a few years now. And so wondering, you know, there on one side with that uh, secret of conjunction with Neptune, there's this opportunity for mercy and kindness and kind words, which we saw, you know, in Prince Charles's speech, he mentioned he wished them well as they started or continued their life abroad. And I'm like, well, that was that was like the nicest thing I ever heard him say about them, you know, at least from all the chatter that you see in, online, who knows how much of that is true and how much of that is gossip. But um, on the other hand, there is this, um, you know, this is a, an idea about things that can come back on you. Like there was that Nigerian professor that said those really nasty, you know, that whole thing about wishing the queen really ill as she died, you know, I didn't want to repeat it, it was really negative. However, you under, you know, we look at the pain body that prompted her to say that where her her family was Nigerian and she remembered these rebellions and how the British had genocided her people. And so there's there's a pain body that has to be healed here, clearly, amongst many people. Um, she um, she talked about that and, and many, many others did, too, like the people in the Commonwealth countries like. Jamaica and Barbados, um, you know, um, Jamaica has said, you know, we, we're going to break from the Commonwealth. We're, and they said this months ago, right? And when um, when Catherine and William visited there in March, they were in, um, they, they remember there was a lot of protests. It really didn't go very well. Somebody didn't do good electional astrology for that trip. <laughs> but anyway, um, there was even the people, the, the, and you would think, oh, well, the young people, the young people, right? It's not Prince Charles and Camilla, it's the young generation. So they thought, oh, well, this is great. You know, these millennials are going to be well received. <laughs> Wasn't. Uh, there was a formal apology. They were calling for a formal apology for the royal family's links to slavery. Um, there were these advocates and activists that said, you know, for 70 years in your throne, um, they said your, your grandmother has done nothing to redress and atone for the suffering of her ancestors that took place during her reign and or during the entire period of British trafficking of Africans, enslavement, indentureship, and colonization. So the reason I'm bringing all this up and going to this detail is because there is this narrative, especially with this Antitia, Mercury, and Neptune, um, you know, there is this narrative of glamour when you think about Neptune being this, this pretty facade of kind words and sweetness, but it can also mask some painful things like this, and it can also mask gossip and ill will and things. So there's, there's all sides of this. So Mercury and Libra, let's, let's be honest and let's look at all signs and let's not delude ourselves. Let's not be taken in by this aura of, oh, this family is grieving. And like, yes, there is that. And 
at the same, there's this yes and, yes and there is also this. Um, third world countries being very muted in their response to her passing because of the, they're in a different situation. And so we have to respect and see all sides of this. Um, I thought it was interesting too, when uh, in Prince Charles's address, he mentioned that uh, the Prince and Princess of Wales, William and Catherine, how they would, they're going to continue their work. Um, and he said he knows that they will continue to inspire and lead our national conversations, helping to bring the marginal to the center ground where vital help can be given. And as soon as he said that, I'm like, ooh, Pluto in Aquarius. There, there we go. Cap Pluto and Capricorn about to move in March of next year. It will hit zero Aquarius. And so there is that conversation around the, the fringe on the outside comes to the center. The center cannot hold center being hmm, royals, elite, Jeff Bezos, fill in the blank, right? It's about bringing these um, outside, outsiders being you and I that, you know, pay tax and, um, you know, Jeff doesn't. And <laughs> well, and people getting fed up with that um, and, um, and saying, wait a minute, this is not sustainable. But it's not, you know, it's just, you know, with all due respect, it's not working. We, I think we're all pretty much in agreement on that. How it's going to work all out, I don't know, but we just stay in faith and stand stand in the middle stand in our peace knowing that all of this is obviously this divine leela playing out this divine play for a purpose but as we can see this is bringing the marginal right the outside when when the when he said william and catherine with their charity work especially mental health and things bringing the marginal to the center ground where help can be given. So I love that. I'm like, wow, that's just so cool. There, he's speaking the astrology that's that's coming, bringing the marginal to the center. Uh, let's see, what else do I have here? Um, uh, yeah, so with this, with this Mercury, Neptune, uh, and Tisha for the next week, one of the things you want to look at is again, you know, um, especially, you know, this kind words, you know, th this week, as I said in the previous, the astro weekly weather forecast that we have this Venus and Mars squaring Tuesday into Friday. It's like a square. So we want to be careful that it's not like war of words and criticism, but that Mercury, Neptune, and Tisha can kind of gloss things over. And, um, you know, as a way of, um, you know, kind words and things and maybe backstabbing, you know, like, oh, smile, smile, when I throw a knife in your back, you know, that's, that's obviously not cool, but it's also an opportunity for forgiveness. So let's, let's bring this into a higher vibration here. Um, because that the very same forces that can be used in that way can also be used to elevate. So Neptune being around compassion and unconditional love and forgiveness and looking, you know, beyond um, some kind of pain and, and addressing uh, healing, the opportunity for healing and such and bringing one's our thoughts and behaviors and speech into harmonious, into harmony where we can work out um, healing. So, um, so there, and that's, that goes not just for them, but let's say, you know, any, anyone in our world, anyone, when you think of the collective, like the, the people who are sad and grieving from the pain body of centuries of British oppression, 
and genocide and such to say, okay, yes, that happened. And um, let's reparations. They've been talking about that. So reparations and how, whatever that looks like, but certainly people, we have to forgive, let go of the past, um, take that F make those efforts in however way we can with support and all to choose, you know, to, to move out of the past where we have been enslaved and to step into the current moment. If anything, if you're honest and Taurus is reminding us of is being here now, the past is the past. There's nothing we can do. It was a horrible, you know, several centuries, slavery, etc. the United States, of course, we we're, we have been still living with the uh, the um, the out uh, the aftermath of all that, and we see a healing. This this turning of the page, and that's what I love about this. Coming back to the, the Venus archetype, the changing of the guard, where we're really standing for harmony and equality. So. Yeah, what and what what is the ideal narrative? You know, what kind of world do we want to see? Um, I think too with the Mercury and Tisha with Neptune, when you think about Mercury and words, like words cast energies and spell casting, as Carolyn Meese talks about, spell casting. So what kind of words are we casting out there? What is our language doing mathematically? Because it's creating a certain um you know it's all chemical all of it is it's a it's an alchemy so um being that we're in charge and we get to say how it goes and then there are no victims well what kind of words do we want to speak what who are we going to be and how do our words reflect or not reflect what, who we say we are or what we wish for ourselves so this that mercury retrograde is is definitely a, a powerful time to be coming into awareness of all these things I think too, in, in just wrapping this up, I want to say that um, with this upcoming Scorpio eclipse, you know, um, Venus moving from the Kazemi point and the star point at 29 Libra, she's in the throne in her domicile with the priest, the high priestess, right? And getting this download of, of cosmic, you know, this, this, this connection with these archetypal principles. And then, um, then she'll, as she moves out of that, she goes right into exile in Scorpio. So it's like saying, okay, it's interesting because Venus star points moving from Scorpio to Libra, but then it, transiting in the sky, it's going from Libra to Scorpio. So that sounds a little confusing. Don't worry. Uh, the, but the, it's, again, it's this rebirth. It's a changing of the guard and it's moving into these, uh, an initiatory process. Um, and there is going to be, the eclipse is going to be um, Venus, two degrees of Scorpio, sun, moon, and Venus, two, 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 all two degrees of Scorpio on October 25th, solar eclipse, right? Major change and in, in our collective path. And so Venus in exile is like, okay, I've left my comfort zone and I'm going to be in, in, be comfortable with the unknown and connect and know myself from the very core of my being to step into my power, um, to purify myself, right? That's what initiation does. When you think about Scorpio, the snake that sheds its skin, the skin that no longer serves, transforming from, from the within to the without, having an effect on all of our, 
all areas of our life, relationships, self-worth, self-esteem. Um, I think too about the Libra archetype, you know, the shadow of Libra is like this vacillating uncertainty, um, this obsession with what do other people think of me, having that dictate what we do and how we show up in our life, this fear of not being loved and that needing others approval, keeping up appearances, needing to look good, um, jealousy, vanity, these are all shadow Venus that we, you know, shallowness. Um, so we want to look at all comparing ourselves to others, big one, right? The feeling that we're not enough, um, you know, feeling we have to compromise ourselves to avoid conflict, you know, what was it like peace for the sake of you know, just do anything to have peace, just to sh shut them up and just, quite, you know, give them whatever they want just to avoid uh, confrontation, uh, people pleasing, um, like, and learning that, look, we, yes, you want to be a peacemaker, but we we also, doesn't mean that we're doormats either. You know, you, there there's this line that we have to be very clear about and uh, in order to have connection, belonging and agreement that we have, these are, these are things that we want to be honest with ourselves to build authentic connection. And this new world, this divine feminine consciousness that is absolutely wrapping its, that archetype is, and, and that frequency, if you want to say it that way, and that dimensional, that, that dimension, I want to say it's like the fifth dimension, right? This, this is this the fifth element you remember that movie it was really fabulous the french director luc besson and it was with uh, mila jovovich and um, bruce willis and fabulous movie what and the, they talk about the fifth element but anyway very venusian if you haven't seen it in a while see it again if you've never seen it definitely it's funny it's brilliant luc besson is just a brilliant french film director but anyway little plug for luc um venus archetypes Yes. <laughs> so um, I guess that's all I wanted to share with you today. Um, oh, I guess I should just um, finish that out by saying, don't you think it's interesting that um, at the same time, um, all of this is happening? We had Venus Williams was, you know, here, here she is. Venus uh, was, uh, she was leaving, right? She, her final, you know, the U.S. Open, right? Her final, um, of her career, her outrageous, one of the most outrageous athletes that ever lived um, in, in our in our lifetime or anybody's. And um, her here's her outfit. And look at that, it's all stars. It, it looks like the star of Bethlehem. So it's, it's these beautiful uh, stars in her outfit. It's, it's, it's so cosmic and, uh, and it's black and it's uh, beautiful and uh, one of a kind and fully empowered. Here she is in joy. And yes, she lost the match, but again, it, it kind of symbolic too. It's like this loss of here's Venus going to the underworld. Successful though, a huge success. Yes, it was kind of bittersweet that she lost, but she still went out on top, no matter whether she won or lost, she has won, right? And as she's now retiring and leaving the light, just like Venus is starting, is disappearing behind the sun, so is Venus. She is in Venus, Ms. Venus Williams. <laughs> Venus and Venus, right? They're both disappearing. She she here is to attending to motherhood and her new life and leaving behind this, this process of transformation. So I just thought that was really 
really cool at the same time. All right, that's all. That's all I had for today. And um, I hope you have enjoyed this chat and got something out of it. Um, I'd love to hear what you have to say and you know how you're seeing all this. Um, I I love hearing from all of you. And um, if you need any assistance or anything, or you have any questions, you can shoot me an email, Irliana at starsandastrology.com. Also available for sessions, whatever it is that I can do to help you and be in service. I'm uh, so very, very, very excited to do so. So all for now, and until next time, thank you all so much for listening. Many blessings to you. This is Irliana Samsara, Star Sound Speaks, starsoundastrology.com. Take care now.